Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Amen. Can we say thank you to these guys for leading us in worship this morning? Y'all are awesome. I loved it. Um, well, good morning. That's not very enthusiastic. Good morning. Thank you. That's awesome. So this week has been a kind of a crazy week and a lot of changes and just the changing seasons and the weather is now wants to be spring or fall and, you know, finally changes mind and we had Halloween. And so last night I realized I was, we, we had Halloween on Thursday and it was cool because the kids, and we had our small group over, and some neighborhood kids, and we had this whole, like, slew, like, we were a whole gang that was going through the neighborhood. And so, as we were going, it was just fun to watch all the kids go to trick-or-treat from house to house, and the, the group slowly gets spread out as, as we go. Because, like, my oldest, Sloan, she is in fourth grade, and so, and her brother's a first grader, and so they're ready to go. They got their bass, they got their bucket, and then we've got all the way down to, like, littles who are barely walking, or their parents are helping them, and so that lose interest after a few houses. And so as we were going, we just kind of had this whole gang of kids, and it was super fun. And when we got back, my, my daughter's bucket, like her Halloween bucket, it was full. I mean, all the way to the brim, like a good five pounds of candy. And so I realized last night, because we, we did that, and then we had a birthday party last night for another, for someone in our small group. And so we, we had a birthday last night. And so after Halloween, I was, eating, I was eating the candy out of my kids' buckets. And so my daughter, Sloan, which I don't feel so bad about, my daughter Sloan, she doesn't like chocolate. She only likes Skittles or Twizzlers or whatever it is, so she doesn't like chocolate. So that's fine for me because I will eat the chocolate. And it's not so bad. I'm thinking, oh, I'll just have one. I'll walk by her bucket, and I'll, have, I'll pull one out, and I'll eat it. And then I'll walk back by. I'm like, maybe one more, and I'll have another one. And then we went to this birthday party last night, and they had cake. So I had to have a piece of cake. And then they had these cookies and they're like the type of cookies that they're like pro cookies and they're designed. I mean, they were legit. So I had to have one of those. And then it was, they had a pinata. So the kids bust the pinata. And so we got more candy. So I got home last night at like 10, 30, And I'm at the house and I go over the freezer where I've taken all the Snicker bars out of the kids' buckets and put them in the freezer. And I'm eating Snickers. I'm just like, what am I doing? Uh, I, and so I'm like, God, I need to have like I've been binging, I need to have a moment where I just get away from sugar. And I'm not someone that loves desserts, and I would never sit down and eat a candy bar, but the little Snickers minis, the fun size, when you eat 10 of them, you've eaten more than a candy bar. And so I've just, all this sugar, and it was funny, on Halloween night, I laid our middle son Keller to bed, and so we prayed that night, and I'll ask them what they want to pray for, and I'll pray for them often, but a lot of times I ask them to pray. And so my daughter's son, she's, she likes to pray, and it's incredible. It's powerful. I mean, I'm just so amazed at her faith and what she prays and what she asks and expects of the Lord. And so my son, Keller, as we prayed that night, I asked him to pray. And so he prayed for, he said, thank you, God, for, I think, I'm trying to remember what he called it, like all of our people that were going out. He's like, God, thank you for our crew. 
He's like, we got just such a good crew that we're going out to Halloween. And I thought it was really cool that that's, he feels that's his people and his tribe and his church. And we do, we come to here on Sunday mornings and we do small group uh, across the street at a neighbor's house and we do birthdays and Halloweens together. And it's just, I love what a family of believers looks like. And I love that I have a seven-year-old first grader that knows and feels that. And like there's other kids in our small group, like Sawyer will always come over to our house and like he'll come to wise, like, oh, I'm going to hang out with Jake or we want to go to Jake's house. He loves coming to my house. And so it's just fun. Like they love church and I love that. And so as, as we've been walking through John in this series called Come and See, um, we've been looking at Jesus's interaction with different people. And so we, we looked at his interaction with the woman at the well. We looked at his interaction with Nicodemus. Uh, with the, the invalid at the pool of Bethesda. We looked at him interacting with the Pharisees. We looked at him interacting with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, his family. And so we've come to the point, uh, and today we look at his interaction with the disciples. And I thought about that idea of like Keller feeling like that's my crew. Like these are my people. I'm thanking the Lord that I get to do Halloween with these, my people. And so for Jesus, that was his disciples. Like they were the people that he did life with, that he walked along the road with, that, that knew him intimately, that, that knew who he was. They knew Jesus' personality and what made him laugh. Like I think they, I'm sure they had inside jokes and, and things that were, were special and significant to them. And so we've come all the way to John chapter 13. So if you want to open your Bibles to that this morning, if you would like a Bible, you can bring one. If you raise your hand, Janet can bring a Bible by and hand you one. If you'd open up to John chapter 13, we're going to look through this interaction that Jesus has with kind of his crew um, of people. And as we look at that, it's been interesting this fall that we've been in the book of John, and we've walked through all these interactions. And then meanwhile, if you picked up one of our devotional, you've probably been reading through the book of John yourself in your own quiet time. And our small groups, all of our small groups are, are studying through John. And so it's amazing to think for the last nine weeks that we as a body has been focused on the book of John. And, and, and the, the writings here, and it's, it's amazing because I don't know if you feel how I feel, but the more I read and the more that we, we get into it and get into the meat and bones of, of what he's writing, the truth about Jesus Christ and theology and what it means for our lives and what it means for the world and others, the more I feel like I don't know. Like you'd think I'd be nine weeks into John, I'd be like, oh, I've got this. But the more I read, the more I realize there's such depth and richness to the, to the gospel and to, to Scripture. And it makes me just like the certainty of that, that His Word is God-breathed, that it's alive, is, is never been more true. I think, man, this is incredible that I can read and study and we can teach on and discuss in small groups. And it is a well that does not run dry. And so the, one of the things I notice is it feels for John, it feels like Jesus, or not Jesus, John has taken a video, like I don't know if you're my age and you're raised in the 80s and 90s, you had a VHS and you had home videos, right? And so we have, we have videos. Thank you, Scott. And so it's almost like John took a cassette, a video cassette, and he stuck it in the VCR and he, he hit play and he fast forwards between these scenes. It's like he goes up to the screen. He's like, you got to see this. He fast forwards and then he hits play and it's the woman at the well. And you see this scene of Jesus interacting with this woman. 
And that scene ends, and he, he hits fast forward, and it goes forward, and then it's, it's the healing at the pool of Bethesda, or it's, it's Jesus turning water to wine. It's like he's sitting at the VCR, and he's fast-forwarding through this, this ministry and this, this life that he did with Jesus, and he's given these little slivers and these little glimpses of who Jesus Christ was. And John's gospel is clear on that. Uh, we talked about in the first week that in, 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 at the end of John in chapter 20, he said, he said, this stories and many others were written so that you would believe. It's obvious how John specifically chose specific moments on the home video cassette tape to show, you, show us who Jesus was so that we would know him. And so we've gotten all the, thir- all the way to John chapter 13, and we've been seeing these little slivers, and it's almost like that John goes to the VCR at this moment. He hits play, and he sits down at the couch that this is the end. And for John 1 through John 12, it's these little snippets. And beginning at John 13, he hits play on the VCR and he sits down. And so for the, for the final chapters in the book of John, are the, over the course of 24, 36, 48 hours, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it begins in John 13. And so it's like we've been getting these little snippets, but now we get all of the end of the movie. He's like, this is the best part. Like, you've got to see this. You've got to see how it ends. And this John 13 really signifies the beginning of that. And so I just want to give you a little bit of context of where we are and where we've come. So let me pray and we'll get in. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for my crew, Lord, for the, for the people that are in this room. Jesus, that you've called us into relationship with one another and relationship with you. God, and I thank you that you've made us a family. Thank you that we get to know one another, that we get to know each other's strengths and weaknesses, our likes, our dislikes, what we're insecure about, what we have fears of, what our hopes and dreams are. God, and you call us into that intimacy of a relationship with one another and relationship with you. God, I pray for the time this morning as we open your word and we look at this interaction that you had with your disciples. God, Jesus, I pray that you would speak to everyone in this room, speak to our hearts about where we are, what we're going through, what we need to hear. God, and that your word would be alive this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So John chapter 13, uh, this is a famous scene that, that likely, whether you've spent a lot of time in church or you haven't, that you know it's the scene of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. And it begins at John 13. If you have your Bible or your app, I mean, if you look from John 13, John 14, John 15, John 16, John 17 are all the same moment that, that you look. And if your Bible has red letters the, the words of Jesus. There's a lot of red here. And so we see it begins with Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. So what we're going to do is we're going to look through what, what Jesus is teaching in this moment. We're not going to try to go through all of this scripture, but we're going to look at how this moment begins. And so if you'd read with me at John chapter 13, verse 1, and I'm going to read through and we're going we're gonna to stop and talk about it a little bit and take out some points uh, and, and look at how Jesus invites his disciples to come and see who he is, even in his final moments. So John chapter 13, verse 1, it says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved 
his own who are in the world. He loved them to the end. These are some of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Verse 2 may be my favorite verse in all of the book of John when it says that uh, having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. I just think how sweet and kind that Jesus is, how he loved these men and these brothers that he did did life with. And we hear throughout John up until this moment that Jesus' time had not yet come. When he turned water to wine, his mom asked him, when Mary asked Jesus to turn water to wine and help, Jesus says, why do you involve me in this? My time has not yet come. And we see here at the beginning of 13, this is a shift toward the climax and the end of the story. It says that Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world. That This marks the moment where he realizes the time is now. That for so long I've been doing this ministry. For so long we've been walking and sharing the truth about who he is. And talking about the kingdom coming. Performing these miracles. The, the I am's. I am the bread of life. I am the vine and you are the branches. All these moments. And then here we get to this point where he says, that his time had come. Having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them in the end. I just love how sweet and tender that moment is and that truth is. In verse 2, it says, The evening meal is in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So the first thing that we see here, the first thing I want to highlight is that, that Jesus and what we're, called to be, what we're called to do is that he's girded in humility. I know you hear that girded in humility and you think, did we just read the same verses? Because I did not see that. But the word and the scripture and the line that talks about, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped the towel around his waist. Uh, the King James Version, which I know Maddie Parker loves it when I read the King James Version. It says this. It says, he riseth, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. That word, when he wrapped the towel around himself, literally means that the, the translation is to gird oneself. And what it literally means is to take something and wrap it around yourself, like a belt, or in this moment, a towel. And so I want you to imagine the scene that here they are, they're having dinner, and Jesus goes, and first of all, he takes off his outer clothing, the robe that he's wearing, the clothes that he's wearing, and he sets it aside. And then he goes and gets this towel, and he gets down to, you know, it's just, I imagine that this somewhat uncomfortable, awkward moment where Jesus is like down to his skivvies. He's not naked, but he takes out his outer clothing. He wraps a towel around himself, and he girds himself. And he takes upon his, he takes his robe, and he takes it off and wraps a towel around himself, the clothing of a servant, you see, when they would come into a house, when they would come in and they would be served somewhere in someone's home, it was custom that they would wash, that your feet would be washed by a servant. And so obviously that hasn't happened. They've had the meal, they've eaten, and Jesus wraps his towel around himself. 
and he bends down at their feet. And, and if you know anything about scripture, they're sitting around a triclinium, which is a, a kind of a U-shaped table that's really close to the ground. It's almost like a coffee table, but lower. And it says that the way that they would eat is they wouldn't sit, uh, you know, crisscross applesauce with their feet underneath, and they would lean on the table with their feet behind them. Because why? Because their feet were dirty and gross, right? And so Jesus to take upon a servant to wrap that towel around himself and get down at their feet. And it's this idea of him showing humility, that there, there's two things, like everything else that we've talked about in Scripture, there's two things that happening, that, that's happening at once. There's the physical, him literally washing their feet, and then there's a spiritual reality and truth to what is happening. And so think about as Jesus takes off his clothes, as he wraps a towel around himself, it's like he's, he's wrapping himself in humility. It's the same truth as when Jesus, it's like him taking off his deity He is God for him to take off his deity and to wrap himself in humanity and come to this earth. His word became flesh and dwelt among us. One of our core values here at Vessel is the value of humility. We have four core values, and one of them is humility. And I always joke, by saying that our core value is humility, we've disqualified ourselves from being humble. And so it's not an idea of us saying a core value is we embody humility perfectly in all circumstances and occasions. It means that we hold humility as a value to who we are as a church at the highest level. And everything that we do as a body of Christ and everything that God calls us to is filtered through the value of humility. It's one of the reasons we're called a collective. Vessel collective is because it's not about one person. It's about a collection of people. It's about a body of Christ. It's the reason our worship team on any given Sunday, two to three to four different people will lead us in worship. It's why we have a team of people who teach on Sunday morning. It's not about a person, but it's about the body. And we see this idea of humility perfectly personified in this image of Jesus wrapping around a towel around himself. It's like a parable that's come to life. Jesus isn't just telling some story with the meaning, but he's acting it out. And so... Um, I love this idea of him taking apart, taking his robe off and setting it aside. And for us, what does that mean? That for us to gird ourselves in humility, to wrap ourselves in humility, that it means that we've got to set something aside. And so I don't know if that is your pride, that for us to seek humility in Christ, we've got to set aside our pride. Sometimes it's our own plans and our own agendas and our own hopes and our own dreams for our lives. That what we want and what we want to become and what we want to be known for, we have to set that aside for the sake of Jesus. Sometimes it's the very instinct of our sinful flesh that we've got to deny that and set that aside and clothe ourselves in humility. As, as many of you know, and we're going to read here, he gets into this, this moment with Peter where Peter sticks his proverbial foot in his mouth at the foot washing, not once, but twice. But First uh, Peter, when, when Peter writes in First Peter chapter 5, he writes about this very thing. He says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, right? Not just towards Jesus, but who? towards each other, that we're to clothe ourselves in humility towards each other, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, 
that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So I think about when, the, when Peter wrote those words, was he remembering this moment? As he wrote, as he, as he penned those words, did he remember the moment that Jesus took off his outer clothing, set it aside, and girded himself in humility and washed their feet? When he writes and encourages the church to clothe ourselves in humility towards one another. So speaking of in verse 6, it says, He came to Simon Peter, Peter the very one that wrote those verses in, in 1 Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, do you not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand? No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, said Simon Peter, replied, not just, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean though not every one of you, for he knew, what he, he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said that not everyone was clean. And I love this image. He gets to Peter, and he's going down the table, washing the feet of his disciples, and he gets to Peter. And I love Peter. He is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. He is like the Kramer or the Dwight Schrute of the disciples, right? They make, it just, you know, Kramer makes Seinfeld, Dwight Schrute makes the office. That is Peter. He's the character you, you've got to have. He's the glue that keeps them together. And he is always just sticking his foot in his mouth, and, oh, I'll never do that, or you know, being uh, brash and, and going above and beyond, cutting off the ear of the, you know, those who come to arrest Jesus. And I love Peter, and we see it again in this moment. And if you know Peter, he's a fisherman. He's like this big, burly, uh, kind of gregarious man. Um, and so here we go again. Jesus gets him. He thinks, oh, he's testing me, right? He's, he's washing our feet, and he gets to you, and he's like, no, you shouldn't wash my feet. Jesus is like, no, unless I don't wash you, you have no part in me. So he sticks his foot in his mouth by saying that. And the funny thing and the ironic thing is it's false humility, right? Peter's, Peter is, is trying to be humble in this moment, but it's false humility. And false humility is one of those things that you, it's, hard to, it's hard to describe, but you know it when you see it, and you totally see it here in Peter, right? It's just false humility. He's like, okay, if that's the truth, then wash everything. Wash my head, my hands. And again, he sticks his foot back in his mouth. Jesus is like, just sit down. Let me explain. And let me show you what I'm doing. He said that you're clean and only your feet need to be washed. And so the second truth about this scripture is that it's only your feet. And there's some deep theology in this moment of this interaction that Jesus has with Peter. When he says, it's not your hands, it's not your head. You've already bathed. Only your feet need to be clean. And so I have a bit of OCD in my life, and not like clinical OCD, but I have things about myself that I can become obsessive about. And so one of those things, believe it or not, is cleanliness. I can be OCD about being clean. And so Shay will laugh at me. She's like, you're the messiest, cleanest, you're the messiest clean person I've ever met. Like all at one time, you're, you're messy and you got clothes everywhere and you leave things out. And I, you know, I, I'll walk by and I'll eat a bowl of cereal. I'll just put the bowl in the sink. I mean, it drives me nuts that I'm messy, but I, I, I shower 
two to three times a day. She's like, it's, it's like this great oxymoron of who you are. And so one of my obsessions about being clean, I wash my hands often. I mean, I get home and I wash my hands and I scrub in like I'm going in for surgery, right? And I, I wash my hands all the time. But another one is, is that I have to wash before I get into bed at night. And I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but it's become a, an obsession. And so I've gotten to the point where it's not that I have, even if I've washed myself, I have to wash my feet. Literally last night we got home and like we went to this birthday party and I was clean. I got in bed. I got in bed. I laid down. I was like, nope, can't do it. I got out of bed. I went in the bathroom and I washed my feet because there's something about, and you know what I'm talking about. You put your, you get into a sheets and the clean bed. And if your feet are clean, it just feels right. And so that, that, that there's this OCD thing that I have, and Shay drives her nuts. But there's times where even if I can't sleep, I'm like, if I just wash my feet, I'm good. And so the, the, the idea here and the point that Jesus is making by saying you don't have to wash the hands and the head and everything, you've already bathed, but your feet are dirty. And again, there's two things that are happening. There's a physical and there's a spiritual thing at play here. Physically, their feet were dirty. It didn't matter if they bathed an hour or for them, it was probably, oh, I bathed two weeks ago. I'm clean, right? Like that's a fresh bath. But it, it wasn't that. But it's that they walked around with dirty, stinky, sandaled feet. And so when they go to have a meal, that's one reason that the triclinium, they lay down with their feet away from the table because they were gross and dirty. And Jesus is saying, no, you, know, you don't need to wash your hand and your head. Like you don't need to shower. Just your feet are dirty. Just where you've been walking, just as walking through life that's become dirty. It's the same thing as a doctor. When a doctor goes in for surgery, they don't shower and bathe. They just scrub in their hands because only their hands carry germs and are dirty. But the truth is that there's a spiritual meaning there as well. Is that what Jesus is saying is you've already bathed. You see, these guys, they don't, they, they've already been freed from their sin. That's what baptism is. They've already accepted Christ for who he is. And so it's the same truth in our own life is we don't get caught up in this idea that if I, you know, and there's some, some falsity in religion that says, if I sin the moment before I die without asking forgiveness, I'm going to hell because that sin hasn't been forgiven. No, your sins are forgiven. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are washed clean. You have been cleansed by the blood of the cross. There's nothing that can happen that can take that away. No matter how you're struggling, no matter the sin that you're walking in right now, today, that your sins are forgiven and Jesus looks at you as clean. That's the image of what a baptism is. That's why we have a baptism. It's taking you, it's laying you below the water and laying your sin and your death and the person you were below the water and raising you a new life. It's this image of you being bathed and washed clean in sin. But yet we still walk through life and we still continue to get dirty. We still struggle with sin. We still walk into things. It's this idea of us confessing our sin and needing to continually to wash our feet. And that's true in our own lives. Is in your own relationship with Jesus Christ, we struggle with sin. It's not magically we never have a temptation or never a struggle again. But this washing of the feet is the continued washing of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's saying to Peter here. He's like, no, you don't get it. You're already cleaned. You're bathed. You're forgiven. My blood will wash you clean. But it's, it's only your feet. And so for many of us, that's what it looks like to have a confession, that it's only our feet. 
and that, that there's no, there's no, it's a lie to think that, oh, if I've sinned or I've done this thing or I've committed th- this atrocity, that that now disqualifies me. No, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're clean and only your feet need to be washed. And, and scripture continues on. It says um, here in verse 12, after he has this interaction with Peter, it says, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said not every one of them was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And so Jesus, there's a lot of times in scriptures when he tells, tells a parable, he does something that he leaves the unknown. He wants the disciples to think about what's happening. He wants those who, who witness the feeding of the 5,000 to understand what he's doing. He wants us, as we read his scripture, to wrestle with, with the truth. And right here, Jesus leaves no room for error. And you see that this begins a block of red letters that goes on four or five chapters in scripture. And it's this moment where Jesus is getting it all in. He knows within 24 hours from this moment, he will hang on the cross and his blood will be poured out. This is the last chance he gets, the last moment he has with the disciples. It's like a parent as their child is going off into the end of the world, into college. It's like that last dinner to say, you know, be careful. Make sure you're, you're going to class. Make sure you know who, who, you're, who you're with. Make sure you're watching your surroundings. Make friends. You know, it's these last moments and last nuggets of wisdom that Jesus goes on and on. And it begins here. He says, do you understand what I'm doing? Why I'm washing your feet? And that is what you are to do with one another. And this is how Jesus spends his last moments with his disciples. Girding himself in humility, bending down at their feet, washing their feet and commanding them to do this to one another. And so uh, a few things to point out here. First of all, he tells them to wash the feet of friends. The feet of friends. Scripture says, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. It's a literal commandment for them to do to one another what Jesus has done for them. But it's not literal in the sense of literally washing their feet. There's some churches that will have a ceremonial foot washing as, a, as, as like a, a practice that they do. And don't worry, we're not doing that. We are not going to begin a practice of foot washing. And then I've seen it done, and it's really sweet and, and special, but that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not, it's not baptism that's something that we do and we practice that, that, that there's precedent for in, in the church of Acts. It's not communion that, that's something that we do regularly and we are commanded to practice, as Jesus said, and as the New Testament church does. But what he's saying is he's saying that we are to wash one another's feet. And this isn't a, a ritual or a, a, an ex- exercise that we're supposed to do, but this is a daily practice. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus tells us to take up our cross daily and follow me. That washing of one another's feet, those who are your crew, those people that you are doing life with, who you are in church with, it is a daily act. 
It is not something that you do once and are done. It is a continuous washing of the feet. We don't need to wash the hands or the head, but we are called to wash one another's feet. And I, that's why, I, you know, in Scripture, I talk about what it looks like to be a Christ follower. I love, I, I like the idea of being a Christ follower that, better than being a Christian. Because being, being a Christian comes all these religiousness that can come with it. That, that, that is baggage and can imply things. But to call ourselves Christ followers means we're literally to follow Christ. That we're to take up our cross daily and follow me. That to follow Jesus Christ is not a Sunday thing. It's not a ceremonial foot washing. It's just, not just a one-time baptism, but it's a continual process. That every day that we're washing one another's feet. And that's what we're called to do. So last Saturday, not yesterday, but a Saturday before, at about 7.30 in the morning, I get a text from Lisa Gonzalez, who is a neighbor uh, who lives across the street, who we are in small group with, and they host our small group, and we've done ministry with them for the last three years. And if you know what's with Jorge and Lisa, is that uh, Jorge has gotten this job in Orlando, and they're moving up in Orlando after the end of the year, but right now is a really hard time for them, because Jorge's in Orlando working and then coming home, and Lisa and the girls are there at the house. And so we do life together. And so we've told them, anything y'all need or whatever's going on, please don't hesitate. So last Saturday, I get this text from Lisa saying, hey, are you awake? And she's not here, but truthfully, I was not at 7.30 in the morning on Saturday, which is great. Uh, and she said, hey, are you awake? She says, my hot water heater is leaking. and My hot water heater is in my attic. Do you have an attic hot water heater? That's a terrible idea. Mine's in the garage. It's so much better. But she says she woke up that morning, and there's an alarm going off on our hot water heater, and there's water coming through from her attic. She's like, I don't know what to do. Can you help me? And I want you to know, for me, I couldn't get out of bed fast enough, not because I was worried about their house, because it was an opportunity. I love Lisa and Jorge Gonzalez. We do life together. So for me, it was a gift to be able to go over there and help her. Like that was a gift for me to be able to do that. And that's what washing someone's feet looks like. It looks like loving them to the point where that wasn't a burden. I wasn't like, oh, I want to sleep in more. No, I was like, man, I love Jorge and Lisa, and I want to go and serve them. And, I mean, it was easy. I drained her hot water heater and put some fans up there. It wasn't a lot of hard work to do. It was an opportunity for me. And so that's what it looks like to be a foot washer. It's the same in my life as, as you know, I have people in relation with. Stephen Godfrey is a friend of ours, and we, we do church and life together, that he is the most servant-hearted human being I've ever met. When I went to Peru last March, I cut down a tree uh, in my backyard that needed to come down this push our fence. I cut it down like a week before I left. So, of course, Shay's frustrated. I just leave the tree on the ground. It's got all the branches and everything. I'm like, y'all be fine. I'll be back from Peru in 10 days. And so I get home from Peru, and the tree's gone. That Stephen Godfrey came over to my house. He cut it up. He bundled it up. And he took and moved all those branches for Shay. That, that Melissa and the girls came over for a play date. And Stephen brought his chainsaw. Oh, man, that served me. That washed my feet. And he didn't do that because he's looking for brownie points. He didn't do that so that I would owe him one. He did that because he loves me. And he washes my feet. This past week, I was with Russ Robinson, and we were running around doing something. And I get to his house, and uh, I hadn't had dinner. And I, was, I had to go back out to do something. It was like 9 or 7 o'clock at night. He's like, man, I made brisket and barbecue. Let me warm you up a plate. So literally, I walked in his house. 
I think I washed my hands, probably. <laughs> I did. I went and washed my hands, and by the time I came out, he had a plate with three ribs and brisket on it and a roll and sent me away with it. And he didn't do that so that he wasn't like, hey, that's going to cost you. You owe me, right? Or you're going to owe me one. He didn't calculate in his mind how much meat am I giving away. Why did he do that? Because he loves me. And he's washing my feet. It was an opportunity. It wasn't a hesitation or a thought. And that's what it looks like in our lives. It's the Maxwells. Lord knows, literally, only the Lord knows how much time they have watched our children and how much time Jillian has spent in our house babysitting, right? Only the Lord knows. That's what feet washing looks like, and that's what we're called to do. And that's what looking and being a body of Christ looks like for us. And I pray that you get to the point where you're not serving on Sunday mornings because I should. You're not doing load and load out because I know they need someone and you begrudgingly come up to do it. That you don't serve at RAB because I'm standing up here encouraging you to do it. That you're not listening to worship music because you know it's good for you, but you're listening to worship music because it's an overflow of your heart. That's what that looks like to be washers of feet. And not only did he wash the feet of friends, but he also washed the feet of foes. Scripture tells us, for he knew who was going to betray him, that being Judas. And that is why it said, he said, not everyone was clean. We had finished washing their feet. And the idea is Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. Scripture says, it says at the beginning, it says, um, it says the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas. Jesus knew that Judas was going to Judas was going to betray him, and he still washed his feet. He didn't get to Judas and then skip over him or give him like a little two scrub. You're fine, right? You can dry it yourself, right? He knew that that Judas was going to betray him, and he still washed his feet. So often for us, it's easy to get distracted to think that someone who's not a believer in Jesus Christ, someone who's an atheist or an agnostic or a Muslim, is our enemy. It's easy to look at them and think that that's the enemy. And that is simply not true. That we are to, that, that Scripture tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that should be our attitude, is that we're not just supposed to wash the feet of one another. We're supposed to wash the feet of our enemy. And I get that that is hard. And I think that a lot of times we think about the devil and the enemy as this little, you know, he's got a red leotard and one of those little pitchfork tridents. I don't know what that thing is called. And he's got the horns and he's in hell, right? He's like jumping around. He's kind of dancing sometimes and singing. I'm like, it's hell. I don't know what this image is. But we think about the devil as down there. But I was reading this week in my own quiet time. I'm reading through Job, which is um, exciting. And so as I was reading through Job, I was struck by the statement is that it's God talking to Satan. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. You see that our enemy is not wearing a leotard below the earth in hell. He is roaming this earth back and forth. But that is not another human being. The scripture says that we are, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, for the struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of darkness of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
And that's not someone who is different than us. It's not someone who's Muslim or a non-believer. And we are to wash their feet. You've got opportunity every single day in your life to look across the the street or the cul-de-sac or the cubicle or the counter, wherever you're working, and to love someone and to wash their feet. Because Scripture says that's how they know. That's how they will know that you are my followers, by the way that you love. So I want you to, I want to ask you, church, does the world know you're a Christian? Does the world know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ because of the sticker on your car, because of what you post on Facebook or Instagram? Does, does the world know that you are a Christ follower by the way that you love, by you being a washer of feet? And I get that that's hard. I get that that's hard. And so as we close this morning, I want to close with a couple things. And these are things for you to do today. One is a truth, and, and second is going to be homework that you can do today as application as you walk away. So don't say you don't have anything to do today. You have something to do. So the first is this, is humility cuts both ways. If we are to gird ourselves in humility and wash the feet of others, to take on that, that the role of a servant, to wash the feet of, of others, humility cuts both ways. Not only are we to humble ourselves to wash the feet of others, but we are to humble ourselves to allow our own feet to be washed. Do you understand what I mean by that? If you look back just one chapter, John chapter 12, verse 3, Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. You see, Jesus was a foot washer, but he was not above having his own feet washed. And the, the culture that we live in and the pride that, that exists in our lives and in our world tells us that we don't need to be served, that we're above accepting help, that we're above receiving and taking that. So first and foremost, understand that there are times where you need to allow your own feet to be washed. It would be easy for me to think, ah, Stephen Godfrey, that old rotten scoundrel cutting up my tree. What's he think? I'm a man. I can't take care of my own house. I can cut my tree, Right? Like, it would be easy for me to not accept that and to be bitter. But no, I, he, that, he loves me. He's serving me. He cares about me and my family. That's not a burden to him. That's a blessing to him to do that. And that's to, to humble ourselves. That's what Scripture talks about. For us to accept Jesus Christ, it takes one thing. It takes humbling ourselves before God and accepting that we are in need of a Savior. Until you, and until you get to that point, until you realize that you are desperately in need of a Savior. You can't get there. And so humbling yourself goes both ways. The last thing, and this is your homework, is the read these chapters that follow that are read. Read chapters 14 and 15 and 16 and 17. And look at what Jesus says. Read through that and take, take heart over what those things says. In chapter 14, it says, The Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, then I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is Jesus Christ telling his disciples to know the truth that God is, Jesus is preparing a place for you in eternity. And to take heart over that. Scripture, he promises the Holy Spirit. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, for he lives with you and will be within you. 
Read through the scripture and look at the truths that Jesus Christ said. He doesn't leave anything unsaid, anything undone. So I want to encourage you that this morning. Let's stand and I'm going to close with prayer. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you are struggling in any way, shape, or form, and you need your feet to be washed, that as we close in prayer, to come forward and have someone pray for you. That we would love to be able to pray for whatever's going on in your lives. And guess what that's going to take? It's going to take humility to allow someone else to pray on your behalf. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much, Jesus, for this morning. I thank you for the truth of your scripture. God, I thank you that you were one that girded yourself in humility. God, not to just wash feet, not just to be a servant, but to give your life for the sake of our own. I pray, Jesus, as we read this scripture, as we walk out of here, as we do life with one another, and we think about what it means for us to be a body of Christ, as we read these verses, as we read this week the next few chapters of John and those red letters, that we would think about the people in this room, that we would think about one another, we would look for opportunities to be washers of feet, that we look for chances to have our own feet be washed. Lord, and that, that just like Keller prayed, Lord, thank you, Lord, for our crew and for this body. We love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you all for being here. And again, if you need prayer, please feel free to come forward and receive that. We thank you for listening today and pray that you are blessed by this message. We invite you to join with us on Sundays or connect with us at our website, vessel.church.